What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Welcome back to the Art of War Unbroken. This is part two of the episodes. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go and check it out. We are joined once again by Mr. Tyler Bortel, who piloted the forces of the hive mind against the forces of demons at SoCal Open, I guess now three weekends ago. We detailed that match in part one. Now we are going to talk about what he's changing in the list and what his strategy changes are going to be moving forward. I'm joined once again by Mr. Bradley Chester, number one in the ITC. He's pretty good at this game. He's won an infinite amount of Adepticons. Brad, how you doing? If you notice that long silence at the end of Brad's intro, it's because Brad's been dead the whole time. I don't know what's happened, but uh, he's just a ghost now. He doesn't exist anymore. Brad, can you join us from the abyss? We are summoning you. We we request your presence in the mortal realm. Lord Brad, old man, comes back from the abyss <laughs> to record only part two, by the way. Uh, if you find out why the people were crazy people talking to themselves, it was because apparently Blake didn't have the right spiritual summoning devices to get me back into the podcast. So I don't know why you bullied me away, man, but uh, I'm ready to talk about nids. Well, in between part one and part two, me and Bortel got a little Ouija board and we hired uh, Miss Cleo from the 1990s ads and we summoned you back to the world. We, we are now appearing as an aspiration in front of us, like just uh, just there, you know, I, I could be an apparition or I can aspire to be a real person. Any of these things. We oh, could I do. said it wrong. Yeah. Okay. Eh, we, we, I say we all kinds of it. things wrong. <laughs> it's all right. I don't even know you where I am half the time. All right, tell us what we go. Let's start it. What's going on? Let's go. We got to talk about Nids. I want to talk about the once, the past, the future, kings of the overmind. Let's talk about, first off, over the weekend, who were the MVPs and who's on the cutting block from that list? And part two of that question, if you were going to run that list at the same event, knowing what you do now, under the same rule set, of course, we'll talk about the new Leviathan and everything after this. What would you change? So MVPs, who's on the cutting block? Who are the MVPs? And what would you change going into SoCal if you could do it with 2020 hindsight? I want to, I want to say, just for the record, that in the original recording, I did ask this question. So I'll didn't give happen. it to Brad, but since it didn't record, um, yeah. All right. Um, so the, the MVP in this list in basically every single game uh, has to be the Devil Gaunts. Uh, they are probably the best unit in the Tyranid Codex uh, before the rules update, almost definitely the best unit in the Tyranid Codex after the update, but more on that later. Um, it's a squad of 30 dudes with OBSEC and 120 shots. Like, what else could you possibly want from them? Oh, you spend 30 points on them and they have plus one advance and charge. Uh, this is a unit that is killing incredible amounts of stuff that is standing in incredible amounts of places and that is hitting either eight inch charges out of deep strike or shenanigany charges out of strategic reserve as was the case against brandon um they they do everything and i cannot get enough of them and that's before they get turned up to 11 with leviathan they're the best unit in the in the, in the book in my mind um uh though i also have to give a 
a sort of a secondary shout out to Gene Sinicolts just as a faction. Um, round five, before this round, between Brandon and the Demons, I played against Free Buddhas and I went second and I won that game. Uh, and that has only to do blips. with blips. Uh, without blips, there is absolutely no game there. Um, yeah. Here's the thing also. Would you just pay for blips and take none of the models? If I, if I, if what, how many, how many points did I pay for that attachment? If I had to pay, I, I, my patrol is pretty beefy, but if I could pay like the minimum 180 and just get the blips, yeah, happily, I'd be fine with that. Um, but yeah, so they, they got to get a shout out there. As for the chopping block, uh, in the world of GSC, so I, I made, I pulled like a very, very small Nick Nanavati here and at the last second made like a couple of changes to my list that I ended up regretting. Um, the Nexos is really cute. He regens CP on sixes. He kind of moves blips, kind of. Um, him and a couple of quality of life upgrades, like the adrenal glands on the Hormigaunts in particular, basically could have turned into a second Neurothrope who lives in High Fleet Jormungandr and becomes my Warlord. He hands out a three-inch aura then of Ignore's Cover, which just really turns the duels, duels output up a lot, especially against Grey Knights, which, um, I mean, more on that when we talk about Leviathan. But uh, so I think the Nexos, if 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 I didn't have any new rules, I'd probably go back to that, drop the Nexos and the Adrenals on the Hormigaunts and move back to that second Neurothrope who just he's my favorite tech piece. He does a lot of clever stuff. He's got that, he's got Lurking Maws, the Jormungander specific psychic power, so the Devil Gaunts get full rerolls to hit on the turn they come in. Uh, that was great. And also just having a three-up inborn character to bop around and bodyguard hero duels and grab objectives. He's just a great thing to have around. I think that's that. That's what would uh, would change if there were no new rules. So with the new rules, let's talk about the, the fact that you got new rules and then we immediately got dropped the balanced data sheet. Oh, so, glorious. Well, it, I think that it really puts Nids, in my opinion, in a really great position because you took away two of the biggest threats that they had and took them down. Planes came out, only two planes now, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> planes can go to hell they can go to hell they can die so <laughs> but and then you basically took the leviathan and you turned the damage up to 11 so what is a what is a new list for you looking like you've got so much punching power but you didn't get any more any more defensive you got all the offensive you basically are not doing cardio you're just hitting the weights throwing yeah. big bombs and going for it Tell me what the mm -hmm. new list is looking at and why with the new with the new meta we're going to have. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. actually think that the new metas, it's weird because I think the meta is going to be way more fun. But I also think that you're going to have to plan for a lot more things out there. Because right now, you can kind mm -hmm. of focus your list on the top four and go, okay, you know, that's all, I, that's all I'm ever going to play. So, but now... I think you're going to see a lot of everything because everything's going to have more of a chance. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. The field is wide open. I'm going to sort of take those one at a time in sort of uh, the opposite order. So when you, because in, in the order they came out, basically, because that's the order I've had to think about them. With the new Leviathan stuff, sort of the, the way I think about it is because it's not a new codex, it's just a supplement. Um, this is a very good thing because it means that we lost basically nothing so and we gained a ton so this list fundamentally does not kill things right um i brandon talked about i killed maybe 400 points of his army uh against the against scott's demons here i killed two of his five big demons and was within punching of that game 
um, against uh, against other armies you end up with similar situations. I don't table people. Um, it's sort of the unfortunate reality of bugs. You have to win the game by scrapping for every single point, uh, denying primary or grabbing secondary, that sort of shenanigans. None of that is gone. Not a single tool has been removed from my box necessarily. Like I'm, I, if, when I get rid of my current half-lit smooth Leviathan, obviously I'm going to lose a couple tools, but almost all the shenanigans are still there. Double move, double shoot, double fight are all still there. All that good stuff. But now we also happen to table like two thirds of the field without trying. Um, and true story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the damage output out of bugs right now is disgusting. If you are not planning for bugs, you are not planning to win a tournament right now, in my opinion, at least. Um, I think that before the balance update, just, just with Leviathan, I was feeling fantastic into the entire field, except for Admech. Um, some of the new changes in the way that my list has ended up, end up shifting. I felt just fine into orcs. I felt, I, I mean, I felt fine in Drukari forever until you get to a, f- like really cream of the crop player. Like, I, I don't think I'm going to take Brad down. I, um, I I'm not going to lie. Bugs scared me so much. I actually said yeah. that to you. You're actually, we said this mm-hmm. at the table. I said, yeah. I, I don't want to play either one of you guys. We're sitting with you and they do with that. I go, because I'm supposed to win technically. But I could uh-huh. get murdered off the board, and it could be real ugly. Why don't you yeah. go ahead and detail for the listeners here kind of what the new damage output for NIDS does and kind of how they could prepare for it, I guess. Oh, yeah, so here's- and give me your top. Ooh, you know what? Give me your top mm-hmm. synapse bar, too, because whew, there's some good ones. Yeah, for sure. So the here's so the, the there's two stages of the NIDS it's buffs as have been addressed here. There's Leviathan stuff. And then there's the synaptic links, which everyone gets. And then also there's technically a, like a handful of small changes to the old Blood of Ball stuff as it got ported over. Symbiostorm is Nat 6s now is the big one. There's a couple of other ones, but I want to get into it. Um, so as far as the Leviathan stuff, the big power upgrades, the biggest one is one command point for Tesla. Sixes to hit count as two hits. Sixes to hit if you have 11 or more models in the firing squad, as you would with a squad of, say, 30 Devil Gaunts, uh, sixes to hit are three hits, not sixes. Uh, it's nuts. Um, so that that's the biggest thing. It's two CP. Oh, and it's shooting or combat, and it's two CP for Gene Steelers, one CP for everyone else. It's stupid. It's enriched rounds, levels of stupid. Please fix it, GW. I, I refuse to keep playing this. It feels bad every time I use it. So there's that. Uh, we have Chapter Master as a Warlord trait. This is nuts. Nids don't have rerolls. That's not a thing. We take a whole high fleet full for reroll ones to hit if you now. stand still. And now it's just always full rerolls. It's glorious. Um, so that's huge. We have a redeploy now, which is a really big deal um, because Gene Sealers and Devil Gaunts, notoriously very high damage output, not notoriously very long range, especially if you're not playing Kraken anymore. But suddenly, my Devil Gaunts with their 18 inch range start on the line against, you know, say a Hortus Guitarii and say, okay, if I go first, I'm going to move uh, six plus D6 inches. I'll cast Onslaught, so I'll advance and fire as normal. And then I'll fire off. I get an average of 120 hits out of my out of my 30 dudes, out of their 90 shots. I average 120 hits. And I will, and then I will spend two CP and shoot twice. So I'll average 240 hits at strength four, re-rolling ones to wound, and I will kill all of your Skatarii. They will all go away. Um, or if I go second and you would murder me, I'm just going to redeploy, and now you can't shoot any of them. Maybe I'll even put them in strat reserves from feeling saucy. That's huge. Um, the those, so those are those are the big damage output increases, and then there's a bunch of small stuff that's really nice. But that's those are the things you have to be terrified of. 
Um, oh, and then the, the last one, or well, that's not Leviathan. As far as synaptic links are concerned, um, the boring but correct answer to your question, Brad, is that the Warriors one is the best one by a mile. Uh, plus one to hit is just incredible. It, it just is. Um, the other ones are really fun and exciting. The Maliceptor has obviously gotten a lot of attention lately. Um, and he has a really interesting role in lists that continue to take hero duels if those lists exist, because T8 and minus one to incoming strength is a nasty combination for a very strength eight heavy, uh, competition, which I expect I'll see a lot of as Marines sort of start to bubble back up. And there's a lot of melt bikes around again. It's also great into sisters. It's also great into, uh, lots of dark lances. Oh man. Or, uh, or dark technomancered, um, Chrono, strength five down to strength four, wound me on sixes to fives. Ooh, saucy. Whatever the case, uh, the Malceptors is nice. Uh, and then the other other one that's sort of that that Alex and I keep fighting about is the Tyranid Prime. Sixes to hit auto wounds, uh, in Alex's words, mean that Gene Steelers can punch God in the face. Um, they will kill <laughs> anything that they look at. Uh, yeah, because now now you send in your squad of gene stealers that get chapter masters their full rerolls to hit with their you know there's probably 16 of them so probably 64 attacks hitting on on um you might as well have slapped a plus one hit on them hitting on twos chapter master you fish for sixes sixes to hit are three hits and into that one of those three hits auto wound so you get an auto wound and two extra hits for every six you roll with your 64 dice rerolling so and those are at ap no. No. Let's, talk, let's talk about the turn address the best synaptic power on the worst HQ. Uh, are you talking about the the Turvagon? <laughs> I mean, I said Turd and Address, and you went, oh, that's a Turvagon, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Turvagon has the... Well, I mean, I will say there's there's sort of two of those uh, in the options. The Turvagon hands out rerolls ones and twos to wound, which, I mean, if you've ever put Hiveguard on the table before, I assume there's a lot happening in your pants right now when you hear that. Um, unfortunately, it's on a Turvagon. Um, so you're paying like 210 points for that. And I mean, then you're like, oh man, but I could put the minus one to wound relic on him. And then I'd have a toughness eight minus one to wound monster. And that'd be really cool. And it's still not worth 210 points. And I don't want it anywhere near my list or my children. He does nothing. That's the whole problem. He, I mean, he does the buff Yeah. and you're like, Ugh, can I, can anyone get that buff besides you? Come on, bro. Yeah. It's awful. The, the only more offensive buff that they handed out was that the Trigon Prime gets fallback shoot and charge. Oh yeah, I forgot he exists. Yeah, it's an incredible buff, and Bugs have been asking for any way to fall back and shoot, at a penalty even, who cares, forever. And we finally get it, and it's on a monster who like is so clearly designed to start in Deep Strike that he will never use a command phase buff ever. And he's toughness six! So he's just gonna get shot off the... I, I can't stand it. It's it's offensive. He's, he's also you. super tall and ridiculously hard to fo- to hide. <laughs> oh, he's dead. Yeah. yeah, he's dead as soon as you saw him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so those those are offensive. But the warriors, yes, yeah, so the warriors plus one to hit turns your damage output up significantly. Um, the chap and and uh, and the malicept. Sorry, I didn't even mention what the malicepter's buff is. Um, sixes to hit. Or sorry, sixes to wound count as an additional AP, which you immediately think, okay, hive guard AP three. That's great. But also devil gaunts. 120 hits. Well, now if I'm shooting at something and I'm wounding on fives or sixes, half of those are at AP1, which just huge increase in damage when you're talking about that many wounds. Um, and then the second part of it is uh, reroll damage in shooting and combat, which is so hilarious. Um, That's disgusting. Well, it just but, uh, the, the, the consistency of the Hive Guard goes up so much because you're shooting so many 
T2 things, so you can almost guarantee, sorry, two wound things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marines and just so many bodies have two wounds on the board right now. But the bigger thing is, is that <clears throat> when you're going into the, the three wound things, the Terminators, mm-hmm. the Gravis armors, all of a sudden, you, all you're doing is fishing for sixes at that point in time. Yeah, and man, having the double roll of that uh, keep puts your efficiency through the roof. You know, mm-hmm. it all it also radically increases your damage versus versus dreadnoughts and admech planes and all sorts of minus one damage stuff. Half the time you're getting two damage instead of a third. More than half the time, it feels real nice to actually be efficient into into that kind of stuff again. Um. It's big, and the thing is, is that, and I did want to do it when we were talking about, you know, looking back on what you would have taken into SoCal, because mm-hmm. I actually think that that match that you just played, because the demons got absolutely nothing. <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, everybody, in the new balance update with the uh, <laughs> instead of a wound chaos, got a, a death of the fall separate to everybody. I I have a tear in my eye right now, and I'm playing a violin. It's <laughs> it's a little bit of a bummer, but. Mm-hmm. I think that that the damage output that you're now possess make turns that match crazily into your favor. Oh, um, it's disgusting. I take them in three. It's not yeah, nice. You, you, you <laughs> changed, it changes the game plan of Tyranids, I feel. Yeah. Completely. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, I have to hide and throw garbage everywhere and sneak points away, you can actually put a big boot on the ground and you know strap on your boots and mining ass kicking and just start mm-hmm. wrecking. What, what's what's what is your your test list? What are they looking like right now? What are your changes for the future going into the next turn you're going into, and then LVO, of course. Yeah, so there's sort of two different directions that I'm going in right now. Um, one of which is I think the what I think is probably going to end up being the really mainstream sort of Tyranids. Um, basically, you, you take you go back to double stealers because now with redeploy and damage and the damage output, it's fantastic. So you got double stealers and swarm lord. Uh, and then you pick three out of four between two units of Devil Gaunts and two units of Hive Guard. I like double Devil Gaunts and one unit of Hive Guard. Some people like uh, double Hive Guard, one unit of Devil Gaunts, whatever floats your goats. Um, and just maximal output with a significant board presence, isn't in bodies. Um, <clears throat> and you play a really fast mobile list in that way. And you get a couple of other tech pieces. That I think is going to be the mainstream build. I am a little bit of a snowflake uh, and also. Uh, for a, really didn't like how that build plays into free Buddhas. Obviously, free Buddhas aren't what they used to be, but at the time, that list really struggled with some of that. So, I my my current favorite list in my battle scribe is called Reject Modernity, Embrace Tradition. Um, and you're basically taking a lot of what I was currently doing and just sort of slamming it into the Leviathan. And then the Hive Tyrant Erent gets broken up into a Malanthrope Maliceptor combo. And suddenly, I regain my durability that I lost for losing my, my cover. Uh, and I get to pick up a squad of Sky Slashers in the middle of that as well. And suddenly my list is, like I said, it's doing all the things that it used to do. It just also happens to be tabling people. Um, that's sort of my my concern with uh, with a lot of the, the more mainstream stuff. We don't have, they're not taking trash like they used to, and you don't need to. Like, I totally understand, and that's a, that's a valid way to do it. But I, I worry that some of the damage will creep back up as Marines fit back into the meta. Uh, I was about to say sometimes, but the thing is, is also you still have to wait to play the game, because if you have a bad yeah. turn... Or somebody just mm-hmm. high rolls you, you still have to score points. So yeah, absolutely. So I my I think my intention personally is to continue playing the game where I don't really plan on killing things, and then if I happen to kill a lot of things, that's great. I I actually I have this problem in game all the time because I'm so used to my damage output being so low that I will forget 
to move my hero duels with damage output in mind. And I'll be, oh, what are they shooting at? I guess they have line of sight on these things, might as well, because I just didn't plan to do any damage, so I didn't set myself up to do any damage. Um, obviously, that's a bad thing, and it doesn't happen very often, but like that's how far down my list of priorities output is uh, after playing this this army for like a year or whatever ever it's been uh, that I've been working on it. So continuing with that mindset of I don't need to kill anything to win the game, and then just happening to table half my opponents, I think is going to be a really good recipe for success. Are the GSC still needed with the nerfs now, with the balance changes, where we only have two planes, we only have one unit of rocket trucks, uh, which obviously didn't have anything to do with blips, but do you need the blips with only two planes right now? I was playing the blips before the planes, and I'll be playing the blips after the planes, partially because two planes is still too many planes. A <laughs> pair of WAS bombs will absolutely eat your lunch. You are correct, um, sir. That is the right answer. <laughs> uh, but addition, yeah. points, Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so the planes are still a problem. And also, they're still there for other stuff, too. Like, you, you listen to Sieg's talk about what Admech are turning into now. Well, now you have to either go hard shooting or hard melee, and I think a lot of people have gotten sort of their... Their, their lips wet with the melee stuff and are going to go back to like full Sakaran rush, you need blips to deal with that. You need blips to deal with Ultramemes. You need blips to deal uh, with Keeper, Keeper Rush, unfortunately. Yeah, That's apparently I, still I, out there. Like, I'm not going to lie. I, I agree on that. It's just, the thing is, is that it's a very low cost of insurance policy. Uh, and it, it's a big deal because you also don't want to get be playing Dawn of War go second and have any of those armies, random Raven Guard player that you know, puts seventy five percent of his army, you know, pre moves yep. and just puts it all into you on turn one. You just can't mm-hmm. do that with blips. And I, I agree a thousand percent. That's I've been I've been asking that, and I've been talking about it on some of the the boards and stuff with that. I think it's still a hundred percent a must have, and it's a small yeah. price to pay. And you do get obsec bodies. That that's the thing. I also reiterate the dark the not dark elder the gene circles came into the list before I felt that I even needed the blips that badly, like I was excited to have them, but they were mostly there to slaughter Dark Eldar, right? And they still do that fantastically. Dudes with hand flamers showing up three inches away just, just about to say, solves... Go, go away with your damn hand flamers. <laughs> if you're wearing a bikini and you've got big hair, you're not a huge fan <laughs> of a flamer. Yeah. Um, so the hand flamers are still really great. Lying in wait is still really great. I mean, Brandon talked a lot about how crucial that is to, to something like the Sisters match. I mean, the Sisters matchup isn't a matchup anymore in my mind, but... To a lot of matchups, the lying and wait can be a really big deal. The threat of Vect is still phenomenal versus um, armies who are going to hinge their entire game plan on a stratagem. Uh, things like that. It's um, it's just such a toolbox that I'm not getting rid of. For those who don't know that, uh, can you kind of tell them how your uh, Gene Stiller cult kind of brings Vect into your list? Yeah, so with, with Cult of the Forearmed Emperor, you have what most of us call old school Vect, a uh, plan generations in the making. It's a stratagem. you got to have a Forearmed Emperor model on the table. Cost you three CP. You use it reactively after your opponent tries to use a stratagem. Uh, you roll a die on a one. There's no effect, and you're out three CP, and you cry. On a two to a five, there is no effect of the of your opponent's stratagem, but their command points are refunded. And on a sweet, sweet succulent six, your opponent loses the command points they would have spent on the strat, and the strat has no effect. And they are you're like legally obligated to let them punch in the junk. But it makes it's worth so it. Trust me, that's happened. The threat of it's such a big deal, though, and we talk about that a lot on the show and all the time. If you is is once you get to the high, the higher you go on the tables, the more elite players. The threat of something happening a lot of times is actually way stronger than the actual effect because you're making your opponent plan around one more thing all the time, mm-hmm. movement, deploying anything. You know, 
it, it's such a threat to have. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it rarely comes up, but when it does, it's it's all it's also like you think about Vect as being something that's gonna happen for, you know, a really important interrupt, or it's gonna happen to to prevent some big defensive buff from going up. But no, um when Vect actually gets used in the game, 19 times out of 20, it's a command reroll for a charge that your opponent needs to make to win the game, and they happen to fail a four-inch charge, and they go for that reroll, and you just you just put your hand over their lips and go shh. I, I like the fact that you, you you use it. That's when you use it. But I do love the fact that you always can just kind of point at your CP die and go, <laughs> "Looks like there's still three there." Just just letting you know before you do anything. Mm-hmm. It's the classic. Uh, what is it, Team America, where he puts his finger over the eye and goes, "Shh." That's that's the that's what you're doing to him. Yeah. But it, it's strong, and the army's very very terrifying with the new buffs to Leviathan and mm-hmm. the new. Nerfs to the top of the meta. Where do you see two two part question again? I like to ask like a hundred questions at a time, so that way mm-hmm. you'll answer a few of them, and then I'll think I did something. So one, <laughs> where do you think nids are in the game right now? And two, what do you think are the top match that you're basically your easy matches and your bad matches out of the top armies? Okay, uh, I'm going to say it right now. Nids are if they are not top dog. Uh, they're fighting for that spot very closely with Grey Knights and whatever pile of trash is left of Orcs or Admech. Um, I, those fa- a lot of people are telling me those factions are dead. I don't think they're dead. Um, they're, they're still very, very good. So we'll, we'll see where that stuff shakes out, but they're, they're now fighting with Nids to try to, to try to be an S tier, not the other way around. Uh, it's, it looks, I, I am honestly actively hoping that we get some nerfs pretty soon because it, it feels bad playing a lot of this stuff that again, doesn't need to be tabling my opponents and then just happens to be. So I, I think we're, we're at, we're, we don't need to go any higher We're we can compete with everyone right as, now. As a resident bandwagoner, you can always ride it higher. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, uh, Tyler's like been kind of our hipster here. He's playing like the army no one else understands, and then all of a sudden it's like the the hot thing. Don't don't be afraid to ride your bandwagon army all the way to the sun, baby. It's all interest from here, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So we'll 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 see what end the result ends up being. But I mean, John's taking uh, John's taking bugs to Warzone on Atlanta. Uh, Alex and I have got events coming up, up that'll be pretty big, and there's plenty of other bug players coming out of the woodwork. Um, I would expect to see bugs in top four of mm, a lot of events. There's a lot of bad bug players out there. We're kind of like orcs in that there's a lot of like people who really love their Tyranids and just don't know how to play them. And like the the hobby upfront cost is pretty high because even if you've got a 3D printer, like there's no getting around painting 120 models, like. It's just going to suck. Yeah. So it may take a little while for the hobby lag to catch up, but I think w- there is we we are we are ready to go toe to toe with anyone as far as matchups are concerned. Um, bugs have a couple of things that just sort of end a lot of matchups before they get started. Uh, if you can't deal with indirect, you're going to lose. That's just how it is. Hive guard are too strong. They, they are. Um, so that generally means that a lot of sisters matchups are not uh, that problematic. Uh, the dark eldar matchup just got so much easier. Because Hiveguard just used to get absolutely ruined by a minus one to hit. And now they don't care. Because uh, Tesla is nat sixes and uh, Chapter Master means I don't care if I'm hitting on fours or not. So that's fantastic. Um, 
But uh, so that's so Dark Eldar sisters. A lot of these, especially a lot of these, like T three heavy armies, not crazy concerning. The output from the Devil Gaunts and the Gene Stealers is just horrifying. Uh, Grey Knights is really interesting um, because they have the mobility to cut angles, which can be a problem, and to get places, which I'm I'm curious about. Here's the thing, though. Here's here's sort of the here's sort of the sauce. If you're looking to give your local Tyranids player a real run for their money, I honestly think the best army to do it with right now is Imperial Knights. Uh, Knights, in my mind, overnight have shot up with for everybody that doesn't doesn't Mm -hmm. know in their thing. In the new balance changes, Knights got obsec on the small. If your army's all knights, all your all Mm -hmm. the small knights got obsec, and they also count as five models. And big knights count as 10 models. So their biggest downfall, which used to be people just stealing objectives from them because they were one model, it's not mm-hmm. no longer a thing. Yeah. So this is knights have overnight gone from Tyranid's absolute best matchup. I clown on knight eight players. I don't care or, or what you're doing. I don't care or how good you think you are. Like you can't get around on, on the fact that you can't score objectives. Like I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Jack Harpster would give me a serious run for my money. But anyway. Um, the knights matchup was super easy. I don't need to kill anything. I'll kill off some of your war dogs. I'll leave all your Megaras on the table. They'll do some damage to me. I won't take to the last, but I'm going to outscore you by a million points. It, it doesn't even matter. Now I can't do that anymore, and I still don't, like, do bugs have the output to kill, like, actual proper Toughness 8 knights? Uh, maybe. If you're taking Jane Steelers with a prime for the auto-wounding on sixes, maybe. I'm skeptical. I'm scared. I have to. I haven't played the matchup yet, but that is something that I am actively thinking about how my list can be built around, as opposed to most of the other matchups right now, where I'm thinking about playstyle stuff. Um, I'm keeping a Malanthrope in the list now that we're condensed down to single Hive Fleet. You can realistically put a Malanthrope in there again, and he just ruins orcs. Orcs are just so not a concern. Uh, orcs are also, by the way, the other reason that blips need to stay is that uh, 27 war bikes are coming for you. And they will absolutely go twenty wow. inches in charge. I was so, say, yeah, uh, war, a bunch of war bikes and two Wasbo blasters are going to be exactly. shipping up. And neither uh, one of those things Hive Guard want to talk to. Yeah. So, with with that in, in mind, I think that knights knights is the thing that you need to be figuring out what you're going to do about as bugs right now. And everyone else, you just need reps um, because I don't think that any of the top dogs are at some sort of like fundamental advantage over us. They're just things to learn about. What are you wanting people to kill on your list? Like, what are you going to be like giving them the kill versus like, what do you want to protect for the most part? Yeah. So in, in the hero duel oriented list, there really are three states of being for units. There is out of line of sight and theoretically safe. There is wide out in the open standing on an objective and assumed dead, and there is being a hero duel, right? Those are sort of the three options, uh, and I'm just trying to feed you my trash at the right time um, and protect my other stuff. Uh, your shots are going to go into duels, and they're not going to do enough is sort of how it ends up shaking out in most matchups. Um, with the newer for school, uh, Steeler, lots of Steelers, lots of Devil Guns, maybe lots of Hive Guard, um, Things get complicated, right? You start playing a lot of target priority games. You start holding primary, by pu- not by putting dudes there, but putting dudes there while there's something that is vastly more pressing surrounding their army, right? You can't shoot my Devil Guns on the objective because if you don't shoot the Gene Stealers that are bearing down on you, you're not shooting anything ever again. 
And those sort of strategic decisions become really complicated and interesting. Uh, I think in my list personally, I'm just kind of hoping you shoot the Malice Scepter. Uh, reroll damage sounds really scary, and his minus one strength buff that he's going to use maybe once a game, maybe, uh, seems really intimidating. And he's a really cool like utility piece that I love to have in the late game, but very often shooting at him is a massive waste of shots, uh, because even if you do down him and prevent the minus one strength buff from uh, going on onto the things that I was hoping to have it on, you probably would have just been better off shooting through it and dealing with those effects. So he's he's sort of the red herring as far as target priority goes for most opponents. What's going on with, excuse me in the list right now? I'll do mm-hmm. the same thing that we did before. <clears throat> who's who's doing the heavy lifting? Is it the same things as before? I mean, the Devil Grounds got crazily better. Uh, are you thinking about maybe bringing more of those, like a two man two units of those? As we yeah. talked a little bit about whether mm-hmm. it was going to be two Gene Steelers, two High Guard, or two Devos, kind of two of one yeah. of those. I think you get two of two of those, which is wild to me. Uh, but yeah, the Devil Gaunts continue to be the best thing in the armor. I think that a lot of people are going to tell you that the Tyranids are going to be oppressive, and they are. And I think you're going to see a lot of people running cancerous nonsense, like not even playing Leviathan. I've seen this list float around a couple times. Uh, is 18 Kronos Hiveguard with three squads of warriors. So you just have four Hiveguard shooting activations, all hitting on twos, rolling ones, and half of those will have exploding sixes. Um, I think that's disgusting. I think that's going to table probably 80% of the field. The problem is the other 20% of the field is just going to wipe you. So that's a, that's a pretty confident four and one kind of list, but people are going to say that the hive guard are the problem and they're not wrong. The hive guard are definitely are part of the problem, but if devil gaunts get left alone and hive guard get toned down, uh, the army didn't get weaker. It probably just got better because now you're more encouraged to take the actual good stuff. Um, Here's here's the here's the thing that I think will will might crystallize that in some people's minds. Uh, a squad of thirty devil gaunts with or a squad of hive guard with the same buffs, chapter master plus one to hit, um, and Tesla exploding sixes. Uh, and this is the one that is less in their favor. It's more in the tier in the termagant's favor if you give them sixes or extra AP and real damage. But if you put those same buffs on those two units, the devil gaunts will outperform. The hive guard into T7 three up save if models uh, by about fifty percent, right? If you put a full squad of hive guard with those buffs into uh, you know a, a was bomb that has flown into your deployment zone, uh, you are on average going to do like 10, 11 wounds to the was bomb. If you put the devil guns into that was bomb, you do like seventeen or eighteen. Just right. It's just I'm literally sitting here with a calculator right now, going the was bomb <laughs> dies to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it just it's gone. There is no more was bomb. Um, and I think that that is something that is really hard to wrap your head around because you look at a bunch of dudes with auto bolt rifles and think, how could this possibly be that effective? It's not like, you know, enriched rounds where, oh, I see it's doing way more wounds. It's just weight of fire. Uh, and for a comparable number of points, I've got a 270 devil gaunts. No, not comparable at all. I've got a 270 devil gaunts are, are, um, are 210. Uh, the devil gaunts just have better output, do more things, stand in more places, and with access, I I'm gonna keep taking adrenal glands on mine. I don't think that's a very popular decision, but I think it's I think you should try it. Don't knock it. Um, they're 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 nuts. I definitely have versions of this list where I have of sixty. I have versions of this where I have ninety. It's they're they're the best thing that's happening in the faction right now, in my opinion. I do love me some hordes. 
Uh, however, whoa, whoa, whoa about these upgrades. I don't think you've ever seen one on my list. You get your T-shirt, you get your bat, <laughs> get in the fight, baby. Indeed, yeah, it's it's questionable, but um, I think. But the thing that I I came, I came to realize this actually after Charity Hammer when I realized that I was like, okay, well, the, I never plan on the Devil Guns hitting a nine-inch charge out of deep strike because obviously that's a horrible plan. But I always try to set it up in such a way that if I hit that, the game ends on the spot and I don't have to think anymore. And suddenly I realized that for 27 points, I could make that happen like eights versus nines and is like an additional uh, uh, four and five, five and four, six and three, three and six, four, four out of 36 is an extra 11%. Uh, and that's an that's a actual 11%, not a relative 11% increase in probability that the game just ends. Um, that seems really worthwhile to me as far as 27 points of upgrades are concerned. It's huge. I mean, tell you the truth for that, if you're, when you're looking at that particular buff. And, and yeah. I like having more models, period, not going to lie. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of armies don't have the output for that. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Which I think is funny, because you just take a list and go, oh, I didn't bring enough guns. <laughs> you're like, hey, I see you've got a lot of multi-meltas. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. The 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 Tyranid Ernid Horde has always taken uh, it's uh, like uh, like Blake said. We don't really have actual durability, but we have functional durability often. In that, if you're bringing a proper swarm list, your opponent's anti tank weaponry is at least actually useless. Um, so t- pushing that to its natural extremes makes a lot of sense. It, when when you talk about the the hive minds, if you had one piece of advice for a new player who we're going to have a couple new players probably starting this uh, this faction with the new updates. What's the one piece of advice you'd give them? Oof. Uh, don't stop playing the mission. It's going to be really tempting to just table everyone. Um, and that's going to, like I said, it's going to, that's going to get you four and one pretty comfortably. Um, but if you're, if your plan is tabling first mission later, you're not going to win events. It's just not going to happen. You're going to play against someone who has the right tech, who has as the right, right skill set, who has the right mindset. And it's just, it's not going to work out. Play the mission first. And if you happen to table your opponent, that's great. I love that. Excellent advice. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, but I just, I, I live my tournament life by that. I think it's so, so important. I, I literally, just, I was talking to Steve Joel right before this podcast, and I was literally talking about the one of the biggest mistakes that people make is I have to kill things. No, mm-hmm. you don't have to kill anything. You have to score more points than your opponent does. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the amount of games I've won where I've either been tabled or had a couple models on the board and just go, well, looks like I'm winning by 30. So, Yeah, absolutely. If you've never done it before, winning while getting tabled is the best feeling. Oh, yes. I have a new name for part two of our episodes. It's previously been called the Bradning or the Brad Hour. I want to call it Brad Gone Wild now. And every person who comes on the show who survives part two gets a shirt that says Brad Gone Wild. It's like a sleeveless cutoff shirt with a deep V. How do you feel about that, Brad? I, I feel 100% behind this thing. I can't get enough, please. Well, Teller, thanks for coming on, man. You've been an absolute excellent guest. Um, I'm really sorry that uh, Brad was completely absent in part one, but uh, we'll see what we're going to do on that. I mean, uh, I didn't even know I passed away. I was a ghost the whole time. I'll tell you that, that Tyler was so excellent in part one, though. I'm not going to change it. I'm just going to, we're going to figure out something because. Uh, because it was it was it was a good episode, and I'm not gonna. We're not I, gonna can, mess with I it, can so. only hope that we dub it with someone that sounds absolutely nothing like me and is super loud in the parts where I would be speaking. Oh, how, it's gonna happen, Tyler. 
Hey, I'm Brad. Yeah, we're going to do something. It's going to be great. Thanks for coming on, Tyler. I will see you at LVO, and you're going to get your Brad Gone Wild shirt. <laughs> Thank you all so much for having me. It's been a joy to be on here and talk with you all. Make sure to check out our other podcasts, as we always talk about. The Art of War Vanilla Kiwi with Steve Joel and the Boy King, John Lennon. The Art of War Down Under with the very late and very great Adam Camilleri. We, of course, are the Art of War Pistachio. You guys all know that. Check out the other things we have to offer at theartofwar40k.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. Theartofwar40k.com. 